stargazers, welcome to 7th House Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misek. For those of you who are still joining me on this journey, I'm very grateful that you're here, especially during this holiday season. I'm very grateful that my podcast is giving you a source of inspiration and also is giving you a sense of entertainment. For those of you who are just joining me, Hey, welcome. I am also grateful that you are here, especially during this holiday season. Let me tell you what I do on my podcast. So on 7th House Astrology, each week I try to explore either a facet or an aspect of Sinistry Astrology, otherwise known as Relationship Astrology. If you've also heard of composite charts, that actually is what we use in Sinistry Astrology to read relationships. But I either go into an aspect or I also dive into a topic uh, within the week. And then I try to uh, answer the question, what makes relationships tick based off of the astrological information that I've gathered from the week. Now, again, I, I do my best to answer the question, what, what makes relationships tick? Um, and again, it's astrological, so I just kind of just kind of take it from there and hope that everybody finds a nugget of truth or a nugget of help when it comes to that question and when it comes to what I offer. So before I get into this week's episode, I just thought I would go ahead and give you an update on a particular transit of a planet. So Venus, as of yesterday, has gone retrograde. And it, it, you know, basically yesterday being the 19th of December. And basically when Venus goes retrograde, so Venus... Um, I think this really, this transit actually pertains to Sinistry Astrology very well because when Venus is direct, it deals with love. It also deals with pleasant social interaction. It also deals with great financial health and overall just really um, minding your P's and Q's in society and just being your most pleasant self possible. When Venus, however, goes into retrograde, as with all retrograde planets, all of its archetypes are reversed. So you might have seen as of yesterday that people are a little more, oh, how can I say it, rude (laughs) and uh, a little snipey. And especially since Pluto and Pluto's current transit is actually in conjunction with Venus retrograde, there's also a lot of power struggles that are also playing out. I unfortunately have been facing through that myself when it comes to family members. And man, is it making the holidays very cheerful. The other things that are also associated with uh, Venus retrograde is that there have been times, I've had this a couple of times, um, actually both last year and the year before, or not the year before, but also in another year when Venus was in retrograde. I've had boyfriends or exes from exes past also come and plague me. And I think thus far, I've actually bumped into two people 
both in my working life as well as just in general, um, went just randomly in the middle of nowhere. And that's also very common within any uh, retrograde planet. But especially with Venus, if you end up getting a, an X knocking on your door, that's also very common with this transit. The best things that you can do at this time, Stargazers, is really don't engage when people are being nasty or when people are being rude. Um, try to find a way to be as constructive as possible and constructively maybe not engage. Find constructive ways to also maintain boundaries is what I would also recommend. Um, just maybe mentioning boundaries constructively. Like, for example, I had someone last night who said I looked like a statue when I was in a working situation. And, you know, she just, you know, it was kind of like a very passive aggressive dig of, oh dear, you just don't matter. And my best constructive response was, okay. You know, just kind of made it like very cheerful and chipper and it kind of threw this person off. But, you know, again, throw people off is what I would say more than anything with kindness or throw people off with being constructive as much as possible. Because I think what people are expecting right now are arguments. And that's just, that's kind of just Venus retrograde right there. If you're in a relationship right now would be a good time to sit down and figure out where you guys want to go. You also may be recognizing and um, seeing that you're getting on each other's nerves more often. Things are getting a little heated. It might be a good time to just sit down and see where you would like this relationship to go, if it will go anywhere. Um, you also might have to have a hard conversation as to whether or not it's, you know, this relationship is meant to be with that individual. But, you know, before you have that hard relationship, just see like where, you know, if a relationship is not going so well during Venus retrograde, see where you want it to go and see if there are things that you can do to fix the situations that are not happening for you. For those of you who are like me and who are single, this is a great time to really look inside yourself and see what you would like in a relationship since this is not a great time to seek relationships. You know, everyone's being nasty and going out of their way to be rude. So um, definitely like make a list or a T-chart. I think like last time I, I had made a, a cast, which was on YouTube, it was a YouTube video. I had mentioned a T-chart as to, you know, why I was attracted to somebody, but then, um, you know, one section, it was why I was attracted to somebody, and then the other section was what went wrong in that relationship and how I could learn from that. You could try that, or you could just, you know, simply just revamp, just kind of sit and think and reflect, what do I really want in a relationship? Uh, what do I really want from that other partner? And what do I really want to seek when Venus goes direct again, which should be within about a week and a half to two weeks. So it'll be within the new year when Venus goes direct again. The other thing that I advise you uh, stargazers to not do is please, 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 if you're thinking about going on to E-Trade or you think about going into investment or anything that deals with money right now, um, please hold off until Venus retrograde um, stops and Venus goes direct. 
I've actually, I kid you not, I have seen so many people during Venus retrograde, like either throw their money into gambling or throw their money into an investment and then lose a lot at the end. So for all sakes and purposes involved, just really hold off until that time. Any sort of makeover, like a major makeover, hold off because again, that major makeover is not going to come across too well. And above all, I think this is also a good time where I think a lot of insecurities, self-doubt, and self-esteem issues come out of the woodwork. I know I've had that um, happen even before Venus went retrograde yesterday. So this is a good time wherever you are in that journey and that path to continue to work on that and really um, find great new discoveries. So I, I just kind of sum up a retrograde planet, you know, especially Venus retrograde. While people are being nasty and that kind of, that's terrible, while arguments are bounding between loved ones, and while it's really not great for single people to find new people because everyone's being obnoxious or too busy being obnoxious, I think the best thing about Venus retrograde is a, is a great time to go within and look and see as to what we want from relationships and also kind of look and see what might be hurting inside of us. And it's, it's also just a great time to go on an inner journey and really repair a lot of situations that still may be open and or a lot of wounds that still may be open and just start that healing process. Within the next couple of weeks, Stargazers, I will definitely give you updates as to what I've noticed with Venus Retrograde. Like I said, thus far, it was either a lot of people pretending that they were deaf and didn't want to listen to me yesterday um, at all, or it was a lot of people saying that I look like a statue when I really was like just trying to greet them and really just trying to help them. And again, just the passive aggressive digs also just having some major familial issues. Boy, I'm, I'm telling you this holiday season is just going to be so great, really great, really wonderful, but all the way around, I'll definitely give you some updates as to what I observe when it comes to Venus retrograde. I am also hoping that because Venus is also positioned right outside of Capricorn, that Capricorn eventually maybe blunts this transit a little bit. You know, Capricorn having methodical, earthy, very stable energy. I'm hoping that maybe both the Pluto transit and Venus retrograde might be stunted a little bit and maybe the nastiness won't be so such so bad as when Venus was outside of Gemini um, in the last couple well actually it was last year when Venus was outside Gemini and I think it was in 2015 where Venus was also outside of Gemini going um, retrograde so I'm hoping with Capricorn things might like kind of settle before Venus has to go direct again. All right, so for this week's episode, as always, I love starting off with a very reflective question. So the reflective question for this week is, when it comes to a relationship, how does home factor for you? Is it an important part? 
Is it an important aspect in the relationship? Is it important in your life? Does it have, you know, emotional importance and emotional significance in your life? And the reason why I ask this question is because home is the very stuff for our this week's episode, which is the fourth house. So since we're on the fourth house, let's go ahead and unpack this week's episode. So in general astrology, when I came to learn about the fourth house, when I was reading charts, I remembered that definitely just like with the second house, it's a house that is security oriented. It's very much like the second house that way. You know, whereas the second house is really what do you need in order to feel safe? The fourth house is that security house in the regard that it is the house of home and it is the house of family matters. So, um, again, if you have like Mars outside your fourth house, family matters may be a little tense as opposed to when you have either the sun or Venus outside. Now, not Venus retrograde, but Venus direct outside the fourth house, you might have more of a pleasant, more smoother relationship when it comes to your family. Rachel Stewart Haas, the author of Mercury in Retrograde, has also mentioned that the fourth house deals not only with childhood experiences, but also what sort of home we feel comfortable in, which I, I found to be important to recognize. And hence why I mentioned, like, does home, is, is that important to you in a relationship? Is that important to you in general? I think that's why I asked that in the question, because, again, this deals with what we feel comfortable in when it comes to home. And again, she also reminds me, um, home is not just your brick and mortar structure, Home is also where the heart is, too. So home can be a sense of being really comfortable inside yourself as well, too. It also deals with how we got along with our parents growing up. And I think that, um, again, the, the sign that rules your fourth house and the planets that are in there really determines that. Um, so, for instance, yet again, like, say so you have Pluto in the fourth house and it's in Scorpio. That childhood, that person's childhood experience was definitely very intense. You know, there was, there probably may have been with, you know, Pluto being both the planet of destruction as well as the planet of transformation and also a planet of power. There may have been a lot of power struggles between parents and child, or the child may have perceived power struggles between his or her parents. Furthermore, with that fourth house being in Scorpio, again, just a lot of intense and very, very high intensely emotional experiences, as well as highly intense inward experiences. That person would go out in life trying to not deal or try not to repeat, so to speak, with those power issues. And they may end up dealing with those power issues that they had faced with in childhood. This is opposed to, say, somebody who has Venus in their fourth house and it happens to be in Gemini. You know, that Venus relationship, obviously, there were some very smooth relationships between parent and child um, in that household. Communication 
probably held a lot of importance in that household. Everyone had to communicate whatever was on their mind. The parents encouraged their child to communicate whatever was on their mind at all times. So that person would value communication when moving forward and finding a sense of home inside themselves. Rachel Stewart Haas also states that this is the house or the fourth house is the house that determines how you age or how you grow old, which I also thought was kind of interesting. So, you know, someone who has a house in Sagittarius might be perpetually young forever, whereas someone who is um, fourth house is in Capricorn may start to mature at a very early age. Uh, now, this is, like I said, guys, this is a very rough estimate. Um, don't don't take my word for it when it comes to growing old, because for all that I know, those who are in Cap who have Capricorn outside their fourth house may age far better than someone who has Sagittarius in their fourth house or someone who has something else in their fourth house. So, um, again, it's I always have to state it's all about free will. But again, just something that was just very interesting, that kind of made me think a little bit. So now that, again, we're dealing with the general associations and general astrology, I mean, I, I know what you guys are thinking. I know what uh, you are thinking, stargazers. It's like, Sandra, that's really great that you're unpacking everything in general astrology. But what about synastry? What about relationship astrology? Well, the first thing that came to mind when it came to the fourth house was when it comes to synastry, I think the fourth house indicates what you crave in a relationship. And what really kind of struck me on that one was, you know, childhood experiences, how we got along with our parents, you know, again, the fourth house being a security house, an important house in development and structure when it comes to our charts. I just feel that whatever occurs in our childhood, that's what we want in our life moving forward. You know, whether it's something we want to avoid that we had to grow up with, that we had to be subjected to in childhood, or whether it's something positive that we'd like to carry on. We carry that through our lives. But I think especially when it comes to relationships I feel like the fourth house is kind of the heartbeat of you. It's kind of like your your inner heart, really. Um, you know, even though Leo typically rule, rules the heart, and you think that the fifth house would indicate matters of the heart more than anything, I think that fourth house is really like your inner, most inward needs of your heart. And the inner needs of your heart being like what you really, what you really want out of that relationship. You know, like for example... When, if somebody had fourth house in cancer and they had Mars in that house, that person may have grown up again with a very emotionally unstable relationship with their parents and an emotionally unstable house. What they would crave more than anything when it comes to a relationship is that they would want somebody who would not only respect that this that you know this individual would want some but someone who would respect that they grew up in a very rough household in an emotionally rough household but also not use that against them and then furthermore someone who would bring emotional stability 
would be what that person really most inwardly craves in a relationship. That would be um, different from somebody who is uh, Pisces in the fourth house. For someone who is Pisces in the fourth house, a home may have been very fluid for them. It may have been very free. Or they had wanted home to just be very fluid, very free, no boundaries. So that's what they'd want to see in a relationship is somebody who is not very strict, who's not very rigid, who doesn't have their whole life mapped out right in, in front of their eyes, and who might be far more flexible when it comes to this individual and their needs. And their needs may be way different from the person that they're meeting. Furthermore, they would want somebody who, again, just kind of goes with the flow and who would just really can just withstand going with the flow and not have too many impositions or too many structures or too many, too many things that are rigid in the relationship. With John Townley, um, he mentions that when it comes to the sun, moon, or Venus, when it comes to those three uh, planets, which is what I generally like to look at because those are the three planets that are really associated with sinistry astrology. He mentions that um, these planets can be very favorable for marriage because it's tied to a home base. To kind of relate home, a sense of home to the relationship, he mentions that really the relationship kind of already comes in to play with an interior fortification from outside influences that could deteriorate a relationship. What this could mean is that both persons feel as though they are at home with each other. They don't really need the brick and mortar structure, so to speak. They feel that home is where their relationship happens to be. And it's favorable for marriage because these are individuals who are obviously very close. So if the fourth house plays a prominent role in the sinistry chart, these individuals are already very close. The relationship is already very tight knit and it feels, it's so tight knit that feels as though um, it is like a fortress that can help aid as a shelter and can also act as a shelter against the outside influences. They can also, you know, individuals who have fourth house as being prominent can find solace in each other without having to express, you know, without having to advertise their solace to other people. And again, they have that sense of home that's based on the deep feeling that you sew together rather than advertisement. The drawbacks, unfortunately, is that both individuals could be so tight knit that they don't really recognize uh, first house attributes, which is each person makes the relationship. So they tend to neglect their own personal needs and they tend to neglect their own personal goals because they're so imbued in the relationship. And a great example that I can find with this is, gee, I feel complete because of you. You How many times do we, we find that statement within many relationships? Or, gee, because of you, I'm a better person because, and for that, I just like to remind those who have a heavy fourth house, again, remember that it's, you know, the other person does not make you do anything. 
you know, unless they're, you know, holding a knife up to you or holding the gun in your face or, you know, they're about ready to murder you, then yeah, maybe they're coercing you to do something. But, you know, if you're just in a very conjugal relationship, no one is making you do anything. When it comes to the sinistry relationship, you know, whatever that person's planets happen to be, wherever they hit um, when it comes to your fourth house, that person can definitely inspire you to be a better person and can definitely inspire you to do the things that you're doing. But the person who's making you do those things is you. We all have a great amount of free will at the end of the day. And so it's really you who's improving. You know, the relationship can help, but it's you who's actually improving from the inside out. And I just, I have to remind those who are in the fourth house relationship because they're, I, I bet you they're both two people who it's like, because of you and because of you, I'm a better person. Now, again, make sure to account for your personal successes when it comes to the relationship. Also account for yourselves when it comes to the relationship. You know, your, your partner is not the only thing that's in your life. You know, account for your own personal goals and your own personal achievements and make sure that you're meeting those things and not just getting, getting lost in your partner and getting lost in your own personal fortress when it comes to your partner. So with that said, I quite feel that really we've encompassed the meaning of the fourth house. What I'd like to do next is just take a look at a chart, an example chart when it pertains to the fourth house. In this case, it is uh, for two fictitious personalities. Um, I actually meant to explore their chart a little more in detail when it came to my affairs episode, but really didn't get to it. But it deals with uh, Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City and Mr. Big. I think that this is a perfect time to kind of explore their chart a little bit, knowing that there's a Sex and the City reboot, apparently. But I will just pull that chart up and we'll go ahead and explore. So we'll pause for the cause. All right, stargazers, and we're back. So for those of you who are not familiar with Sex and the City, or you're just kind of slightly familiar with Sex and the City, let me go ahead and introduce Carrie Bradshaw and Mr. Big. Um, I think I'm just going to do this astrologically, as opposed to just introducing them via their characters, because I'm used to the television show myself. I know there are some really heavy Sex and the City fans who are also used to the, the movies. Quite honestly, I thought the movies were terrible, but um, so I didn't really check out the movies. But I think I like um, introducing in individuals astrologically. just think it's just actually far more interesting. So starting off with Carrie Bradshaw, Carrie, it, her son is within Libra. So she's a Libran. Her uh, Venus is right in conjunction with her son. 
And what that usually indicates is somebody who's not only very attractive in appearance, but I have to add this. I know that in the um, affairs episode mentioned like in conjuncts and planets in the 12th house indicating possible affairs. Unfortunately for Carrie, uh, Venus conjunct the, the sun does indicate a very amorous personality and very amorous in the regard that they just kind of pursue love wherever it happens to pop up and wherever it happens to appear. As I remember, she did have an affair with Mr. Big while she was in a relationship with Aiden. Meanwhile, Big also had an affair while he was married to his wife at the time, Natasha. But I feel like that's very indicative of um, having affairs, possible cheating. But yeah, it can be very amorous in a personality. I also think, too, can be very agreeable um, when it comes to personalities. Venus kind of gives more of a, an agreeable edge to that sun sign, and especially to her anchor as well as to her ego. Her moon, however, is within Virgo. Now, I find this to be a situation where her moon tends... Well, so Venus and Virgo tend to be very similar in the regard that they're both perfectionists. Libra is a perfectionist in the regard of gaining balance in their life, whereas Virgo is more of a perfectionist in the regard that they want to gain precision. With Carrie, what I do see with her moon being in Virgo is that inwardly she likes things to be kind of close to what society expects and what is really what should be a norm, so to speak. I know Virgos, they like things that are the norm within society that uphold a wonderful, beautiful society. So again, when it comes to relationships, she likes to, she would like to have the common relationship where she's married, where she has kids, where when she's married, it's conjugal, that's reciprocated, or when she's in a relationship that it's a relationship with one partner where it's monogamous and it's not polyamorous in any way, shape or form, or that it's not loose or it, you know, that it has some sort of boundaries in that regard. I do remember seeing a little bit of the second Sex in the City movie. And I know with Carrie, one of her biggest stressors was that Big wanted more of a freer relationship. And that really, I think that really rocked and tilted her world a lot because she really, she was married to Big. And being married to Big, she wanted more of the barriers, the walls that separate two married people from the rest of the world. With Big, on the other hand, and this is just very, very, very interesting, Big is actually an Aries, and his moon is within Libra. Uh, with Big and uh, Carrie's son's positions, I find it's interesting because a lot of oppositions tend to attract each other. And with Carrie and Big, they could never, ever separate from each other, no matter how hard you tried and no matter how hard each individual tried. But with Big being a Aries, he's very 
whatever is coming into his head, whatever inspirations are coming into his head, he's driven by his goals. He's driven by his aspirations. He's driven by his thoughts and he's driven to move it outward. He's not a big thinker. You know, if he has an idea in his head, he wants to move forward and push forward and succeed. And every venture that he does and that he gains when it comes to business, he wants to succeed in. He wants to push forward. He wants to be able to be the best person in every single endeavor that he happens to accomplish. And love is no different. With his moon being in Libra, um, I feel that his inner world is very similar to Carrie's ex external world. So her ego with her son being in Libra. So I kind of feel like both persons have something in common here. So with his moon being in Libra, I think he inwardly, he wishes that he were a little more balanced and that he could take more time to think through his ventures instead of just actively pursuing it. He strikes me as the type of person where he pursues something and then he kind of somewhat regrets some of the things later on. Also, with Neptune being right near his moon, the emotions are a little bit watered down and the emotions are a little bit idealized in his realm. He likes to feel the ideal emotions. He, I, I get the feeling he's more the type where he likes to feel happy. He likes to feel that everything is running smoothly. He doesn't like to admit when there are bumps in the road, as was very evident when he was having an affair with Carrie, despite the fact that he was married to Natasha. You know, Carrie was feeling used and feeling very cheap um, after so many times in the relationship. And Big was like, well, what's the problem? We're together. We're happy together. Let's move forward. Why, why can't we move forward? And of course, the reason why you can't move forward is that, well, there are certain issues for when you are within a love triangle, as we have explored with the affairs episode. So getting into both person's fourth houses, Carrie's moon is actually within her fourth house, and it's in conjunction with Mars. Now, what is also interesting is that Biggs' Pluto transit is right outside of Carrie's Mars transit. I will explain what uh, the fourth house means for Carrie first. And then kind of get into that Pluto transit. So when it comes to Carrie and her fourth house, so with Mars, Mars is usually upset and heartbreak when it comes to that fourth house. And especially being right near your emotional center, being your moon's position, that usually indicates like emotional upset and heartbreak. The one thing that I could think about was when I had read the Carrie diaries a, a, a long time ago, one thing that was noted about Carrie Bradshaw was that she lost her mom at a very young age and she was raised by her dad. Her dad was, you know, very loving, very supportive. He wanted her to go to Brown, wanted her to pursue a journalistic career since she wanted to become a writer. And he wanted her to be the best daughter, you know, have his daughter achieve the best that she could ever achieve in her whole entire life. So, I mean, as a dad, he did everything that he could do to raise Carrie right. But I think the, the absence of her mom 
really upset her a number of times in her life. You know, it was a, it was a sense of heartbreak. And with that sense of heartbreak, it could have just been that when it came to girl matters at home, she missed her mom. Or when it came to anything that dealt with having a, a woman figure in her life, she missed her mom and she missed her mom dearly. With that said, I kind of feel in a way when she comes out uh, or when she had grown up and she had moved to New York City and had become an established author and writer, I feel like it. a part of her is finding that lost connection with her mom and finding that lost girl connection with her mom. Hence why I feel like she has such a close-knit relationship with her four friends. Um, her four friends gives her that feminine energy that she may have lacked in her personal life growing up, in her childhood life growing up. With big, um, with his Pluto placement being right outside of Carrie's fourth house, unfortunately, Pluto usually upsets the apple cart, and especially being right outside of Mars. I find Pluto-Mars uh, transits, especially when they're in conjunction, can indicate violence and can also indicate accidents. I think in the case of Big and Carrie's relationship, um, it does indicate that affair again. It also can indicate, you know, when they do meet, it's always the accidental part is it's always at the wrong time and the wrong place. They kind of have a sense of a timing issue when it comes to their relationships. Even in the second Sex in the City installment of, you know, the movie, it seemed like their marriage just happened at the wrong time, the wrong place continually. And I feel as a couple, timing is definitely an issue that they would have to work out for each other. And I think um, the biggest sense of what might have been really bad for the timing was that Carrie wanted to rush into marriage. She wanted to rush into a relationship. She wanted to rush, rush, rush because she had her agenda, whereas Big didn't want to do that. So I feel like in this case, both partners have to be willing to compromise for the other person. You know, Big would have to be willing to compromise, you know, wanting to move forward or having to move forward with Carrie Carrie would have to compromise with her expectations a little bit more and not rush throughout the relationships. I also find that Pluto, again, is kind of destructive. Um, I just, I see that at, you know, especially with the fourth house in the house of home as being an upsetting home and a home that's kind of based off of power issues and based off of arguments, unfortunately. So for Carrie and Big, that's one thing that they would have to transform in their own relationship when it comes to their own sense of home, so to speak. You know, make sure that, you know, you kind of come to the table with what you would like your home to be like, you know, your sense of home being within your relationship as well as within the brick and mortar and really do some very transformative work to make that home a harmonious one as well. Big's fourth house is within Pisces, and he has his Venus placement in there, which I find to be interesting. So what that conveys to him is that his sense of home, whereas Carrie, her sense of home, she likes it to be societal, you know, like a, a good typical societal home. She wants the 
brick and mortar. She wants a good, nice, solid house. She wants the white picket fence. You know, she's not very happy with being in an apartment. She likes, she'd like to have a home with the white picket fence. She'd like to have the devoted husband in that home. When it comes to the sense of relationship, she'd like to have that very conjugal societal relationship. Big, on the other hand, likes that fluid sense of home. Hence why he can feel at home, whether he is overseas on a business trip or whether he is actually in his apartment or better yet, because he is so rich and so successful in the show, whether it be within an actual house that he happens to also own as well, too. Um, he feels at home anywhere, you know, likely in his childhood, while he had a very happy childhood with that Venus placement being in there, I just feel that again, um, home was very fluid for him. You know, his sense of home might have been shifted from being that with his family, being that with his parents to maybe being, having to be at home in a prep school as well, too. Since from what I understand, Mr. Big came from very well-to-do stock when it came to his family. But with that said, what he would expect within a relationship as well as the brick and mortar is just a sense of fluidity. You know, chill out. Don't, you know, don't place restrictions on me. Let's just let things happen as they happen. What is interesting in relation to Carrie, while she does not have planets, actually, correct that, she does have Chiron, or Chiron's position and Saturn's position happen to um, overlap Big's fourth house. So what that means is that she brings a bit of stability, determination, as well as devotion when it comes to the relationship in wanting to have that stable home. In some ways, it could be said that maybe she does try to stabilize big as much as possible. The biggest obstacle is that he's not really willing to be stable, so to speak. He likes to be very fluid. Chiron's relationship being outside of there is that that can be a wound that could be festering in their relationship. The fact that Carrie cannot stabilize big, um, the fact that Carrie tries to stabilize big as much as possible. It seems like there's a lot of control in the relationship. And again, I think for Carrie to learn how to relinquish that control a bit for Mr. Big would actually benefit them in the long haul. And what's interesting is both persons' fourth houses are in opposition to each other, Biggs being in Pisces, Carrie's being in Virgo. So with that said, I think, again, with oppositions, oppositions can have a lot in common. And also sometimes oppositions bring about situations where there's compromise a lot of the time. I think that with Carrie and Big, um, Carrie, again, needs to relax her societal expectations. I think Big needs to find a way to commit a little bit better. And I just feel that when they are, they reach that compromise, they're a little bit closer to establishing that sense of house and home, both within their relationship as well as within their brick and mortar house as well, too.
which is an equally very important step in a relationship is, you know, having a house or living together, you know, it can be a big step. Okay, Stargazers, well, I do hope that Mr. Big and Carrie's relationship were very interesting there for you and hopefully accurate for you, for those of you who are diehard Sex and the City fans, and just hopefully entertaining as well, too. But a big time, what have we learned? So again, what makes relationships tick based off the fourth house? I think the fourth house really informs us that our past relationships inform us as to what we crave and why. It also informs us as to how we love and how we pursue relationships and why. And our past relationships being with our family, you know, our mom, our dad, and also our past relationships being the relationships that we had in childhood. Why? Like for me, why do I always feel so insecure all the time? Sometimes I feel like that that actually stems from a lot of childhood interactions with friends, um, especially with guys. I remember like ever since I was 12 years old, a lot of guys would treat me like the duff and they would treat me as the duff to the gateway towards someone else, towards another friend of mine. And that really sowed a lot of insecurities that I still carry with me to this day. That's why I still have to work on a lot of self-esteem issues. Uh, within my relationships, I like to feel special because of that. I like to feel well-loved and well-cared for because of that. And sometimes I get it and sometimes I don't. I kind of feel like with the mismatched personalities episode – one thing I have to learn is standing on my own two feet and really valuing my self-worth in that first step. And that's a very, while that can be a very hard first step at times, it's a very necessary one. The fourth house can also inform us as to where we want to go in our relationships. You know, again, we're factoring in permanence and structure. But, you know, again, I, I also just feel like from childhood where we want to go what are the childhood mistakes that we don't want to repeat? What are the childhood situations that we don't want to repeat in our lives and how to forgo that? You know, like such as with Carrie, um, not allowing her heartbreak with her mom continually plague her all throughout her life, you know, to have a really great network of girlfriends, to have a really great network of women in her life and supportive, empowering women in her life as well. All the way around, Stargazers, I just really hope that this episode was very informative as to the fourth house. And if ever you feel that you're kind of wondering why you're attracted to certain people and why you want certain things from a relationship, do take a look at that fourth house. Take a look at the sign that rules it. And take a look and see if there are any planets. Take a look at the archetypes and see if that resounds with you. If that seems to be something that pl continually plays a factor in your life. Maybe it might not. Um, sometimes it might be a factor that's in the background, might not be an active factor. But it could be a factor nonetheless. And it could be a factor that you might be fighting or that, you might, that might be contradictory from what you have. 
I know for myself, what's contradictory is I really would love to have a very solid sound relationship. But with my fourth house being in Sagittarius, uh, that's actually kind of a contradiction right there where Sagittarius rules freedom and the ability to roam and adventure. Having Jupiter and Uranus in that house just exacerbates that. I'm kind of wondering if that plays in the background for me and if that has played in the background for me and maybe to dive in to that archetypal energy that much more. Well, Stargazers, this is my episode for now. Do feel free to look up at the stars. The moon is very full in Cancer. I could definitely tell its energy. It's definitely having a pull on me today. Uh, last that I'd seen, Mercury was actually still in the sky, but kind of starting to dip below the horizon. So definitely check out Mercury when you can before it kind of disappears out of the sky entirely. But above all, just make sure to look up at the stars or just be sure to make and feel free to look up at the stars and see where the origins of both astrology and where our origins lie. All the way around, stargazers have a happy, very safe, very well-filled holiday. And until next time, I will see you again. And with our wonderful, great, brand new episode. Until then, stargazers. If you do have questions or you do have comments, please feel free to contact Sandra Misek at either Misek, M-I-S-E-K, dot Sandra at gmail.com or at her Instagram page at Sandra dot Misek. And again, that is M-I-S-E-K.